Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and I'm joined by my co-host James. Hello there, sausage. For another episode of Sorry You're In My Seat. Oh my God, I've made two episodes off the bounce. Yeah, yeah. Two episodes, James. It's a new era. It's the era where you sometimes give a shit. I, I'm just a busy man. You are a busy man. We live in different cities. I'm just glad, glad that uh, Esther's able to step in and still produce podcasts with you when I'm not here. But um, yeah, I, I was here last week for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode. And you loved it. You Millions of you listened to it. We, we breached the millions. It was uh, interesting to rewatch a film that I had such fond memories of uh, growing up. To revisit it and once again, once again, be uh, squashed by the realization that it was not as great as I remember, but still enjoyable and it gets nostalgia points. It's sad, isn't it? We are now barreling towards that age, mate, where everything we once held true is now laughable by the next generation. People looking at our take on the Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles and thinking, "What a bunch of sad men!" Yeah, <laughs> but. You know, we tore down the idols that are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles we last year. That was it. We got it, Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. We, we tore them down. I've always said, it's a hill I'll die on, Sylvester Stallone is one of the most underrated men in Hollywood. I'm talking his work as a producer. His ability to see things as a film. His ability to see the trend coming. His ability to invest in a franchise that ultimately pays off. This week we're talking about Sylvester Stallone. And am I wrong? He's got his detractors. He's seen as the studio. Most of his... Award nominations are for Razzies. He's not exactly hit the ball out of the park every time. He's not exactly the favourite cheese in the group. In the <laughs> cheese board. In the cheese board, that I mean, makes sense. The, the guy, undoubtedly, is one of Hollywood's greats. He's a big hitter. He's one of the, the two the two action heroes uh, between him and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think it's... it's <sighs> I mean, obviously, from that you get your Bruce Willis's and everyone else that joined Tom Cruise's now. But but in the day, it was it was Stallone or Schwarzenegger, wasn't it? It the was. The big two. And I think everyone, the A-lister, everyone went with Arnold. But but I've always had a soft spot for Stallone because I feel like Stallone's underrated. Maybe it's because of the way he talks, or maybe it's because like he's had a turbulent relationship with the press and you know, plastic surgery and his mum on English Big Brother and his relationship with Bridget Nelson. It's all not exactly come across as nice. But I still think there's something there. He's underrated. I still think he's a Hollywood great. I think he's one of the best that's ever he, been Well, there. you know, he's got he's got an IQ higher than Carol Vorderman's. He's, you know, obviously a, a well-esteemed uh, actor, successful actor. He's a writer, producer, director. You know, he, he's I, he's one of them people in Hollywood that gets stuff done. You know, look at, look at the cast that he's been able to assemble for things like The Expendables. You look at the, the variation in films from Rocky to Rambo to... To um to Copland, which no doubt we're going to talk about. His film crew is eclectic. You've got the the greats, the Rockies. You've got the fun, you know, the cliffhangers. You've got the questionable demolition mans. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Uh, we got there this time. Unbelievable! <laughs> you've got he voices an ant in the movie Ants. Never forget. Never forget. The, the, that's not the the, the the thing about ants is when people say, "Oh, Stallone's voiced an ant." That's not what gets me. What gets me is he plays best friends with Woody Allen as an ant. <laughs> That's what I don't understand. What's weird is it came out, it was obviously at the same time as A Bug's Life. Yeah. And Bug's Life had uh, James Woods as the grasshopper in perfect casting. Like, that's up there with some of the best casting ever, because I don't like James Woods, but I do believe he'd play a good, just, he's a good grasshopper. Do you know who else is in this film? In In Ant, sorry. Gene Hackman voices the general yeah. man. With yeah. Christopher Walken as his second in command. That's what I mean. What he gets the, the cast together. I like to think Stallone was the glue that got them people in that movie. Because, yeah, Gene Hackman was in that. Isn't Kevin Spacey the voice of Hopper in? Oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> Mate, you're still, at the time, it that's is. still a very good game. It wasn't James... James, Of course, James Woods James was... was um, James Woods was too good. It's Hades, wasn't it was he, Hades. Hercules? It was, it was, it was Kevin Spacey who did the, the voice Christ. in Bugs Life. It turns out he was lower than that. <laughs> Actually, no, you know, legally, no. He's back in films. Oh, my God, I've... I've I've hit a clangish. We were like two minutes. You know, in a clang, a mate. You know, Kevin Spacey. The only reason I thought that was because I I remember this period of time. Like, he was the most villainous in these two films, and I was like, Gene Hackman's in one of them because he's trying to bang. I think Jennifer Lopez. That <laughs> Jennifer Lopez plays an ant. Welcome to the <laughs> Sylvester Stallone episode. Sylvester Stallone, 77 years old, born on July 6th, 1946, in New York City, New York, USA. Uh, five foot nine. I'm the same height as uh, Sylvester Stallone. I genuinely, I thought he was one of these people that was that was a bit worried about his height. I, uh, I, I'm always amazed. I mean, that Sylvester Stallone 
he has had the f- career that he has in the sense that you know all five the five Rocky movies the original five before we got all the the spin-offs and the sequels and the reboots done by 1990 the, you know yeah. the Rambos the early films that he did then the, the, that 90s career he had when he brought out films like Dread and Demolition Man and Stop or My Mum Will Shoot you know those kind of films um, the Buddy Cop movie Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash. Last film with the eighties, yeah. Last last film film of the 80s. 80s, yeah. Um, you, you know, he, and then of course going into his more modern films. You know, being in films like The Suicide Squad, as King Shark, as you know, in uh, Guardians movies. You know, the guy, he's everywhere. And now he's obviously in, in, in Tulsa King. You know, on his, on his Amazon Prime TV show. He he is. Uh, I think he's legit. Like one of the best minds in Hollywood. And what I mean by that is he knows what worked for him. He knew that he wasn't going to get romance comedies. He knew he was. He knew that he was geared towards action films, so that's where he went. He, if we talk about the big one, Rocky, he had the script for Rocky, and he was not letting that fucker go because he knew what he could do with it. They were trying to get James Caan in it. Was it James Dean as well? They were trying mm. to get Hollywood A-listers. I mean, that's weird that remember that James Caan at one point was one of the biggest names in Hollywood, and not just the dad from Elf, <laughs> which is what will be on his screen. Tombstone. <laughs> But he didn't want to let that go. He knew the potential. He he saw a franchise. He saw career making, and probably, I know it wasn't his first film credit. But but as film credits go, you're like, who's this guy? Carl Weathers, an undertake, an, un, an underachiever, the, the bottom of the barrel, taking on champion, king of the world. He's training. Wow. Hmm. I mean, if we're talking about ultimately, we we go look at the filmography. We talk about what they mean to us. We always go to a top three. Rocky immediately the first one. Oscar winning. Yeah, career making, career defining. In a way, he never topped Rocky in his first big film. I mean, he tried, and he did try. Um, I think quite possibly one of the I've underrated because of what we think of him as an action star. And in the nineties, action stars didn't need to be well developed; they just needed to have a quirky one-liner and bulldoze. But as we'll get in, I think he recognised what he could get in his foot in the door, and then evolved from there. And I respect that. See my. Uh, favorite era of Stallone is probably his least profitable, and I always think of Stephen King did this quote where he said he kind of Stephen King when he wrote books and wrote some of his earlier novels, he wrote these like big hitters early on, The Carry, Shining, it, you know, um, yeah, so he established Salem's himself, lot. but had more fun and with then, this stuff. Well, then, then he created what he called these like his airport novels, yeah. and he went through this span of releasing books that were you, you know that you picked up in the airport on holiday, that kind of stuff. And I like Stallone's airport films, the films that he did in the middle of the career. That you know they they've got a place in everyone's hearts. They're not the big hitters that he did early on. They're not some of the mega blockbusters and star-studded cast that he's doing now. But you know, you look at the '90s movies like Daylight. I love Daylight. You know, Copland, Copland. Assassins, The Specialist, Dread. I know Dread's not a great movie. Um, and we've established that it is a good movie. It's just not as good as Carl Urban's Cliffhanger. You know, all these films that came out in that 90s period where Stallone looked dashing and he was big and he was muscly and he'd done the Rocky stuff. He'd done, he'd moved away from, you know, the Rockies and the Rambos and the, and the ultra-violent 18 movies. This is going to be hard list to do. It you, is, if you're having a top three, this I'm, is going to be hard to do. So I'm doing, my top three is, I'm going to give it away. My top three is going to be made up of his greatest movie. Yeah. The airport movie the the, the 90s movie and then a big blockbuster movie that I think uh, he he, he does very very well in I feel like this this is going to be a fractious episode because there's one particular film that I adore and I think it's one of the best action films of all time you think it's shit so spoilers Demolition Demolition Man I think Demolition Man is a great film I don't understand why you don't think it's a great film it's a phenomenal film I think it's an amazing film I don't know if it is I mean that's what I mean so you, so you're saying phenomenal film, right? That means to no, me. No, sorry, phenomenal is the wrong word. I think of you know the '90s films where you talk about the Terminator or Die Hard. Mm. I think, and this is where you massively disagree with me. I think Demolition Man deserves to stand in them. It deserves to stand as an action great of the '90s. Is it the best action film? No, I was probably wrong when I was saying it's phenomenal. I, I over is zealous. I do think it deserves to be spoken about though as one of the '90s best action films. Although with Speed, which I think is probably the best action film of the '90s. As you tell me all the time, Dial was 1989. So, the 90s golden era of action films. I think it stands mm. up there with speed. Not speed 2, don't be a dick. No, <laughs> I said speed. no it's definitely not speed 2. I, I don't know, in terms of action movies, yeah, I think they come down to personal preference, I think. Because one man's speed is another man's Armageddon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, That's a good point. Yeah. It, it, it's down to personal preference you, when you watched got... it, who you watched it with. 
you know, if you saw it in the cinema, if you saw it, you know, whatever. But um, I mean, Demolition Man to me, it, I I just didn't get the hook. I didn't like to me. Cliffhanger is better than Demolition Man because I want to see Man Stallone going up against John Lithgow. I want you know, <laughs> I want to this see, is, I want to see Sylvester Stallone try to convince me that he belongs on a mountain. And Cliffhanger Two's coming, James. I'd like to point it's out in pre-production. No, you say John Lithgow. Fuck off. Yeah. With the original cast, with obviously not the John Lithgow who gets thrown off a mountain. No, and then a helicopter lands on him. <laughs> obviously, because it was the nice. You had to double. You had to double kill him. To double kill him. No, yeah, uh, yeah. He, it's he, Pat from his son, isn't it? No, uh, <laughs> no. Kicks him like a football. That's what. That's what I want to see from Cliffhanger. I want to see the return of Pat. <laughs> He's not going to come back though from Rise of the Foot Soldier, Marbella. That's not even the last one. I don't know. The last one's the fifth one, which which they bring in for for like. Film star, they're bringing Vinnie Jones for the fifth. Well, I, I was amazed that it took them the fifth film to bring in Vinnie Jones. <laughs> no, apparently, the uh, pre production of Cliffhanger 2 is that him and his daughter own a like a, a mountain, <laughs> own a mountain in the, in the Italian French Alps somewhere around there. And uh, yeah, hijinks and shoe when someone comes along. Probably John Lithgow's daughter, John Lithgow's daughter, that makes sense. Yeah, there's money on that mountain. And it, oh, Cliffhanger's brilliant, mate. It's made of money. He, right, here's the rumours going around that he made so much money from the exploits. Sylvester Stallone has hidden the money somewhere and they come to find it and then they realise as they climb up the mountain, the mountain is made of gold. <laughs> and that's the money. Because people thought it was weird that there was no mountain before. <laughs> and then Cliffhanger. Call him Cliffhanger, that's his name. I, I, I you know, you look at his career, you, you know, the film's like, over the top. Never has there been a movie so so inspired by the, the noble art of arm wrestling. It's a weird one, isn't it? When, when, when people talk about the greats, do you, do you remember that film where, where he plays a truck and he goes around to bar and bar and he, he arm wrestles? Uh, no, that trucker's no, no. name is Lincoln Hawk. I'd like to point out I don't remember it and I've seen it. <laughs> because I've seen it, because I know one of the henchmen he goes up against is former ECW champion Terry Terry Funk. <laughs> well, because he, he did a movie called Fist as well very early on. <laughs> Still, I did after Rocky. Well, well, of course, there was a time. Remember that that he needed to pay the bills. Oh, yeah, and then he, he did a lot of. Well, porn, it, so. He, so he did a movie called <laughs> Fist, where he was a trucker that started a union. I can see it, Fist. Yeah, yeah. And so, but he, uh, he's his downfall is his corrupt and shady past. But yeah, so Fist never confuse Fist and over the top. He plays a trucker twice, but they're very different characters. Um, obviously Rambo. You, you know Rambo. Escape to Victory. How is that 1981? Again. I always forget about that. You, you've got Michael Caine. You've got Pele. You've got Pele. Who, who's going to play in goal? Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't knock on Arnold's door, did they? The, the, the famous Austrian actor. <laughs> this shit, <laughs> in this World War II film to play the hero. Yeah, surprising, that. It's just a very silly, like, rugby tackles one of them. And he's like, we're playing football. <laughs> it's like, no, we use our feet. Like, Michael Caine explaining the rules. It, he's in goal, though. It does seem really stupid, because I feel like there must have been a better option <laughs> in that Prisoner of War camp. Is it Bobby Moore in that as well? Bobby Moore, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, great movie great oh movie. my god Sylvester Stallone acted in a film with Pele is a weird sentence up there with he acted in a film with Michael Caine more than once mm. yeah he did the he's, he's, he's in the remake of Get Carter Get Carter yeah. Yeah. yeah fuck me in 2000 saw the 2000s in with Get Carter Jesus Christ um, you know the Rambo movies you think about those like, that first Rambo movie is great it's a brilliant film I mean, they get really stupid. They get ridiculously stupid. But um, and do, do you know that they were going to do a Rambo movie where uh, it was Rambo taking on like an eight, like a half human creature. I've heard this. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and it was all. Went, you, went, you mean Predator? And he was all <laughs> on board for it, and then the fans were like, "No, like, no, don't do that, Stallone." And and he's still making that film, but it's no longer. I think it's called like Hunter or something. Uh. But it was pitched as a Rambo movie. Um, yeah, I mean, Cobra, all the Tango and Cash that we kind of brushed over, Stopping One More Shoot we've talked about previously on this podcast. But um, Copland, no doubt, we're going to discuss at some point. Then into those kind of 2000 movie Detox, a movie where you put uh, Stallone as a cop in a in a uh, clinic, an underground kind of futuristic clinic. And they basically hired every actor that could be a villain to go in that clinic with him. <laughs> like, yeah, I wonder who it is. Is it is it Robert Patrick? Um, I like... Uh, I forget now, because there's a bit of a break, isn't it? Because there's the film that broke him, so he's done all of these massive films. There's a film that took him to his core, a film that made him test his acting ability so much that he had to take like several, three years off. It was, of course, Spike Gets Free. Spike Gets Free, too. Which, uh, I'll be honest, when I saw that, 
<laughs> I saw that my sister was into the Spy Kids films. I took her to see the second one with Steve Buscemi. Mm. And the third one, it was, it's this really weird arsehole where everything is CGI except yeah. for the actors' heads. Yeah. And it freaked me out. I sat in the cinema and go, something's not right here, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And it's because they're all CGI, but there's just his heads floating around. And it's yeah. fucking weird. And I mean, he plays the toy maker. I was going to say, he plays toy maker. And, and because I feel like I dropped the ball early on with saying James Woods was in A Bug's Life, I need to redeem myself. I think we should reference it as its full name Spike is Free, Game Over. <laughs> the game was over. <laughs> Until the fourth one. I'm sure they made a fourth one. Spy Kids had a huge cult following. I don't understand why. I never got it. I saw the first one. Is it because Andy Antonio Banderas is a cool dad? Mm. Oh, I guess your kids being superheroes is pretty cool. Of course, then, um, never forget, he played Joe the Lion in Zookeeper with Kevin James. Jesus Expendables, Christ. Expendables, bullet to the head, escape plan, reunited with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, in a, um, in a kind of prison break. The only person who can escape is the man that designed it. So they'd lock him in it. Yeah. I don't understand that premise. Like, <clears throat> he's so good. We we get paid to put criminals in jail and keep them there. You design this prison. Yeah? We're going to put you in it. Okay. Seems like a pretty stupid move. It does. And almost as silly as Grudge Match. <clears throat> when, uh, when they were like, the guy who played Rocky versus the guy that played the Raging Bull himself. So one of them played a fictional character. <laughs> one of them played a real character. <clears throat> um, it was weird, but it was nice to see uh, an ageing Sylvester Sloan kind of fight an ageing Robert De Niro. It was, the, 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 we live in a world where anyone thought Robert De Niro could beat Stallone. It, it, do you know what's really cool about that? Is because of the rights of certain characters. Oh, look, it's Joe Mama and, and Dave the Dave mm. but you know it was Rocky versus Jake I was going to say Jake the Snake Roberts <laughs> the <laughs> Raging Bull yeah we'll just go with that yeah yeah I mean you know then obviously going into uh, you know the Creed the Guardians of the Galaxy franchises Escape Plan 2 Escape Plan 3 never forget the more combat Batista, game mate. franchise yeah so they brought Rambo in as a character as a mm. DLC they also had the Terminator in so it was one of the first First time's the game where you had you could have Rambo versus Terminator. You yeah. also had Robocop in it. Then you've got films like Samaritan, which is also getting a sequel, and then finally, um moving into the small screen with Tulsa King, which I haven't seen but I've only heard good things about. Tulsa King is mopping up at the wards. Mm. The only ward that is it's seen as a really good so he comes out of jail after spending a long time in jail and basically set up. He must go to New York, the traditional place of the gangsters. However, he's sent off to well, Tulsa. A land where basically they've got no. He's basically there to basically begin the move of crime, organized mm. crime. And it's very good. I, I I've only seen a few episodes because we had a trial of Paramount Plus, is what I think it's on. And I saw the first three episodes, four episodes. I loved it. But it's how I like Master Alone. Oh, it is. It's, it's manly, but it's well written. It's clever. Mm. Um, the character's not. It's, it's smart, and that's what I like. Is the smart hard man. Yeah. And I think that's what he excels at. Um, especially at this age. Then my problem, if I can go back to his brain for a second, he recognised that there was going to be a market. The rise of superhero films, we're talking Iron Man, Thor, the Dark Knight franchise, Man of Steel. Action movies were dying out. They were dying out. They were No one was making a cliffhanger anymore. Those, there was action slash adventure films where a man is in the wilderness for really no reason. <laughs> it has disappeared. You needed now a superpower. But what I loved about the Expendables was it was a celebration. Bring back, <clears throat> bring back these actors that don't actually belong anywhere in Hollywood, like your Jet Lees, your Dolph Lundgrens, Jason Statham in a way, because he was the one of the last action stars. His the the, the end of the action film kind of like killed his career a little bit. It dried up the opportunities because you're not having Jason Statham in your comic book movie. You are going to have him in Crank Three though. Yeah, still cranking, <laughs> still cranking. So what was really important was and not so, what he really tapped into was I. The first Expendables films is full of hard men, including not great actor Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm. Eric Roberts as the villain, who just basically hams it up. So what do you do in the sequels? You bring in other action stars. You bring in the Wesley Snipes, who did a great performance in Demolition Man. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mel Gibson, who was the best, at a time when really no one was touching Mel Gibson. I really liked it, and, and um, I liked the idea. In the third one, no reason, get Kelsey Grammer in it. Famous Frasier being like the hardest <laughs> man on TV. But then you had like Ronda Rousey, the, like the elements of mixed up. I like what he tried to do. Unfortunately, after the first one, they are dog shit. I don't know, when Chuck Norris appeared in the second one. People lost their mind, yeah. didn't they? But that's what it was. It was, you are now of an age 
that you wanted what you want. You've always wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger Stallone on the same screen. There was hinting at that there was a massive rivalry growing up. They were, they were friends. Mm. He, he, those and Bruce Willis all it was all for up, show. Yeah. They all opened up uh, yeah, Planet Hollywood. Planet Hollywood together. Yeah, it's all, it's all, yeah, just for uh, for show. Was it? I mean, Stallone and Schwarzenegger apparently did hate each other for a time, but they, well, got, you, they got over it pretty quickly. Yeah. When you realise you can make <clears throat> billions of money, like I, uh, I, I think today's episode is about you explaining why your top three is Copland, Demolition Man, and Rocky. Yeah, they are. Your, I, if, if I know you, they're the three that you're going to come out with. Yeah. Um, but I think it is a celebration of the man's work because they, they, you know, already I'm thinking of films. I'm thinking of like discovering Stallone. Like I remember being a film fan, and I think one of my earliest introductions was probably films like Hot Shots Part Dirt, not understanding the references yes. of what they were taking the mick out of. But then, and then later learning on, oh, Rambo, okay. You, you know, and my earliest introductions to Rambo was Gizmo putting on the, the red bandana the red and being like, what does that mean? <clears throat> and then you see the films and you see the references. And obviously Rocky was huge. I remember Rocky films being on, um, on a Saturday on uh, ITV for five consecutive weeks. Yeah. And I remember watching the first one and being blown away, but the third one being like, that is awesome, that third movie. I don't know why, but the Clover Lang, Mr. T kind of angle, you know, Carl Weathers being killed at the beginning. And then the fourth one. Dies in the fourth one. Yeah, sorry. And then the fourth one being, when Carl Weathers died, being like, oh my God, this this, this franchise is amazing. (laughs) Bit let down by that fifth one. Do you know what? Yeah. Right, we'll talk Rocky. You're right, my Rocky is, uh, he's number two. It is number two. It's famous. I'm going for the character Rocky. I love. I, you could make Rocky terribly, which you did in the film. I still love Rocky. I think every Rocky film has a redemption arc. There's something to love about it. The first one, the awesome underdog, Mickey, the trainer. He's a bomb. He shouts at me in the beginning. I, took, I gave you locker away because you you ain't worth shit. You had talent. You threw it away. He breaks legs for the mob. Mm. He's a money collector. He likes <clears> bouncing the <throat> ball. Yeah, exactly. He, he takes a he takes a date. What I love about it is, as well, is Rocky thinks he's everyone's mate, but he's not. Everyone thinks Rocky's a dickhead, but they're scared of him. So he takes Adrian on a date, but he can't afford skates for himself, so he runs across the ice. <clears throat> he says, I know a guy, and there's a guy in the Zambini. The guy in the Zambini doesn't like him. He's mm-hmm. like, shut up. <laughs> he's like, I'll give you five minutes, but then get out. He's not a nice person. He's a, he's a, he's a thug. Adrian's like, quiet. You know, Paulie wants to... Like, if you look at Rocky, all the characters are miserable pricks. <laughs> they're really horrible. And he, and he loses at the end. And I think that's what makes it more memorable is that he loses, but he doesn't care. He, he goes does, out. It, it, was, it wasn't about winning. It was about going the distance. It was about it? going the distance and knowing that he can. And he I remember my dad telling me that. I remember watching Rocky and, and I remember being very young and be like, oh, he loses. And my dad would sit me down and be like, but the point of the film wasn't about winning. It was about do it, going the distance, proving that he's tough, proving that he's made of better things, you know, than, 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 this, than yeah. the environment he's living in. <clears throat> Um, and then taking that home and, be, and then of course when they set up the sequel you're like this is the one franchise the fucking shit out of it yeah. I, I think the weakest one is the second one and then people are screaming what about the fifth one I'll tell you what I like the fifth one in a second when I get to it I think you already have on this podcast <laughs> yeah do you know what actually um, I don't want to I don't want to really the machine gun that you like so Tommy much. the machine gun that's it, yeah. <laughs> I know I just like the angle of like it, it follows a certain pattern and I like that it comes back to Tommy the Machine Gun is the guy, the Rocky. He's hungry, he wants to do it. Mm. So he trains Rocky, but then drops him. And it was more realistic. It was more realistic of the boxing world at the time. You have The villain isn't Tommy the Machine Gun. It's, it's the promoter. It's the promoter, it? who yeah. basically, he's Don King. He's mm. Don King with slight differences so that Don King can't sue the shit out of them. It's quite clearly Don King. But then if we move on to the franchise, I liked that they brought him back as old. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I, like like, I like Rocky Balboa. I know a lot of people didn't like I. I I was worried about it. I was like, the fifth one wasn't good. I only love it because Mickey comes back from the dead as an angel and stops him from death. Because <laughs> I'm a complete mark <laughs> for Rocky films. Um, but then it's like, he's old and he's, he's, his son's embarrassed by him. And I was like, that that's realistic. He owns he owns like a restaurant called Adrian's. It's, it's mm. named after his dead wife. And the guy that he beats when you first meet him is working in his kitchen. That's Spider Rico. I love all that shit. And then Creek. Now, I'm going to have to give a shout out to the Fundamentals cast hosted by Haley, he sent in I asked him to send in a little clip and I've lost it because we originally announced we were doing this episode in October and then he sent me the email and it's gone and it's deleted mm. so I've lost it anyway and he said Creed and I think Creed is again a great continuation of a character that you love but with a different slant on things Yeah, and we love that we've always said that we always wanted the sequel to Predator when you told me that idea I was blown away Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to convince people that the Predator's real I'd watch the shit out of that mm. that would be so cool 
New hero is same hero, different slant. Yeah. <clears throat> so I love the Creed franchise. Creed works very, very well. Not not least because Michael <laughs> Michael B. Hall is in the in the kind of lead role in it. Um uh, Michael B. Jordan, sorry, Michael B. Hall. I was thinking of uh, Dexter for a minute. Um I uh, I really really like that film because it had heart in it as well. There yes. was a couple of scenes in it where, and he was nominated for best supporting actor in that movie. Yeah, and, and I remember at the time thinking he deserved. I, I know Oscars aren't worth shit, and they, know, they but, give him cancelled, don't but, they? <laughs> like they go for the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, but but he does. There's a, there's a moment in that movie where it's, he's just got such heart, and I think anytime you can put fresh blood in a franchise that has gone on as long as it has because yeah, yeah. um, bearing in mind that Stallone at the time as well before this it was he did a reality TV show in America called The Contender which was amateur boxers fighting and it was elimination each week until one of them got a contract And well, did you like The Contender? I watched season one and I didn't mind it I quite liked it I, mm. I loved The Contender when it was on but, um, and I hate boxing as a sport because it's, it's nothing like the movies because in the movies they're on defence they just batting <laughs> yeah. but in, in real life you won't let a seven-foot Russian genetic monster pound you for 12 rounds or so. Hit the one in the middle. <laughs> yeah, try hit the one in the middle. Never forget in the fourth one that Paulie's definitely having sex with that robot. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So you got Happy the, birthday, Paulie. You've got all the... You got, with me, with Stallone, you've got the kind of... The 70s and 80s Stallone where it's like, you know, hairspray and conditioner. Yes. Like with, that hair, with his hair doing everything. And he did the movies like Cobra where he's a bit... You know, bit bit bearded and everything. I need to but rewatch that film. Bridget Nielsen in that one as well. This yeah. is where he's protecting her from the court, isn't it? Um, but then, then you've got his like nineties where he was suave and he was, you know, good looking, chiselled. You know, he had the he had the muscles, but he was he was also he was also a cliffhanger and all those other movies. And then now we've got him as the aging kind of the veteran of Hollywood, the veteran of action movies. My biggest misstep on him is. So we did we did Rocky, mm. probably a good chance to Rambo next, because they're the biggest hits. Rambo's not on my top four, however, the first Rambo... Top four, we're going to sorry, top four. Now. Sorry, he's not in my top three, but Rambo, the first, first blood, mm. probably fourth. If we were doing a four, it was... I It's an action movie where he doesn't belong. Yeah. It's about the, the treatment of Vietnam veterans, and there's a good juxtaposition, juxtaposition so you've he's been run out of town by a veteran of the Second World War. Yeah. Like, the noble war in the Vietnam... Like it's not his fault. Mm. It's special forces. They push him too much. They, he has PS, P, PST PTSD. that's not been helped in any mm. way or form. And basically, they, for some reason, decide to torture this man. Like, like that's not against the rules. And he's asked to get his own back. He, he starts guerrilla warfare outside this small town mm. and basically destroys the National Guard. Now, I remember my dad saying, actually, he doesn't kill anyone except for about 20 people in the truck, which is, which is very <laughs> glossed over. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's an absolutely phenomenal story, and this film should only had one sequel, and it should have been so. In the original, the general comes and tries to talk him out of it, mm. and then in the last one, that's what they should have done. He should have been the guy they bring in to talk out a, a veteran that comes out of like Iraq or Iraq war. That's how he should have done. Yeah, it should have been him running the support group, should and, that's, that and it should have been the exactly same story, but he's in it. Like, mm. send the hunter to catch the hunter. <laughs> um, you don't send the prey. Something like that. But I'm going to tell you now, the sequels to Rambo, the second and the third one, with Tom Sizemore in a helicopter, oh my God. Like, like when you watch the third one, do you know who the heroes are? The Taliban. <laughs> Talk about films that don't age well, you've got Taliban. But, but again, he did that thing where he brought back his ageing hero, and he had a film called Rambo. Where he took on all of Burma. But I'm going to tell you now, I actually quite liked it, and I couldn't tell you why. I don't know why. It's just it's just a death movie. There's yeah, 20 maybe. minutes of narrative, and the, my problem with Rambo it, that with that film is that the arc of the character is different. So by by the time you meet him in the fourth movie, he's like the silent, the, <laughs> Bo yeah, it, it like <laughs> Bo he's yeah. the American living in Burma who will take you up the river for a price, or, or reluctantly take you up the river. Um, it, it, it's he's lost any shred of being Rambo. It's almost like. And I know that the war is 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 going on in his head. That's the point of that character. But by that fourth movie, you almost you feel I felt really bad for that character. Like we're in the fourth movie now, and he's worse off than when we met him. Yeah, that's true. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 but but there's no hope because he's living in Burma, going up and down this river in this boat. It, it's got no purpose, and then he kind of like finds happiness in killing again. <laughs> it just it just didn't make sense. And 
The the he's montage of death in that film is ridiculous. Like he must kill about five hundred people. I do think he's got some of the worst supporting actors, and and it really hurts because they're all British. Do you remember there's the sniper? Yeah, yeah. I'm fairly certain it was in Hollyoaks. <laughs> Something like that is ridiculous. But my favourite thing is it takes him five movies to get back home because because he's he's walking home, mm. being dropped off. Then he goes to Russia and Afghanistan for a bit. And then he goes to Burma. And then the fifth film, he's like, do you know what? I might actually go home now yeah. to see my dad. And then I'll just nip over to Mexico for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so I think Rambo, first film, is actually brilliant. It, the, the things it deals with the first, is something the different. Fi- the first film where he's drifting through town and he's yeah. chased out by the National Guard who don't like him. Yeah. And the fifth film where he's pulling a man's heart out of his chest. What an arc. <laughs> and he's built a rabbit warren of death and choochie tunnels underneath his house. There's so many tunnels as well. Like, at no point does any of them collapse. But that's how I'm at an age now where I think about the structural integrity yeah. of buildings. That's not therapy, is it? It's like he's come back from Vietnam and he's recreated the tunnels. He's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, mind boggles that. Because what was he preparing for? <laughs> Do you know Christmas. <laughs> He really doesn't like. Just want to go the grandkids family. over. <laughs> we, just, we go down the tunnels. It's a good time. Um, I do. You know I think Rambo's and I, people are going to be so angry. I think it's a joke of a series. I think the first one's actually an amazing film. We'll put it forth. It's a great film. I think the rest of them are shit. I'm I sorry. Think, they're I really think you bad. Say the second one though has has got a lot of action. There are a lot of the famous like yeah, action scenes. That's the one the with the, one. the black vest. Yeah, the, the red. I mean, that's where there. he looked like insane. Like you look at those kind of old eighties. Um, you know where the 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 video cover or the film poster was like an animated picture, yeah. and the muscles are all sweaty, and he's holding like a massive gun. He's got the red bandana, uh, like the red uh, yeah bandana on. I got, I got a question for you. I think you've already answered it. He's a very muscular man, very small, but obviously keeps keeps in shape. What do you think is the best shape of Stallone? I'm gonna go Rocky Four. I think Rocky Four. Uh, I just he looked good. He yeah. just I was like. I mean, not an ounce of fat on him in that movie. Yeah. Like he's in peak like form in that movie. As an actor, as an actor, when they go through their processes, I couldn't give a toss because mm. because it's easy for them to say, "Oh, you cut out all of this," and, and I work out twelve hours a day. It's like, yeah, because you don't have a nine to five job or sixteen kids to look after. You got millions of bank in the money. Yeah, and if you get paid fifty million for Expendables four, you're gonna train, aren't you? Um, Expendables is a big one, actually. Expendables, I think I've touched on it at the beginning. I, I think the idea of the Expendables... I like, on paper, I like the idea of the Expendables much more than I actually liked the Expendables. The The films exist so you can get one scene in a church with Stallone, Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. And there's that old rumour in there that's, that Schwarzenegger could only be in the film for as long as he was because Cause he, was, cause he, was poli- he was a politician at the time. California. And, it's a, it's only a cameo if you're under a certain amount of time in a movie. That's why he couldn't do any. But then, was it the third one where he's fully in the movie because he's no longer yeah, in the politics? After anymore? that, yeah, they they kind of grow in. The Chuck Norris meme. I, it's, if a film that it, like I say, it's on paper. I don't feel like the Expendables is the best of anything. Mm. In fact, I get quite annoyed in sequels when they give Jet Li like the legit. If all these people were in a in a in a room together. And they're all these big muscle-bound freaks. You got Stone Cold Steve Austin. You got Jason Statham. You got little old Jet Li, and Jet Li's the one that has the as the film's gone, he gets less and less screen time. Jet Li legitimately is the hardest man in that room. Yeah, yeah. I would bust the, the he's fuck probably out the of killer. Him. Oh. He would kill them yeah. all. But he's like, yeah, but he's not. He's not got muscles. Mm. So he loses in fights to Dolph Lundgren, and you're like, Jet Li would legitimately batter the shit out of him. And what's really funny is there's only one other person who could probably beat him, and he looks even he's like Jackie Chan, and he'd beat the bitch in the <laughs> film, and he'd kill everyone. Everyone. So, Expendable yeah. Smee's bollocks. I, I not in well, yeah, I mean, you've got obviously uh, <laughs> Lee Christmas is uh, oh, Jesus, Jason yeah, but never as more accurate as Mickey Rourke as tall. <laughs> <laughs> he I just was, slipped into that role. I always forget that he's there. He's a tattooist, isn't he, in the first yeah, one? Yeah, the integral in the second and the third one, he's, he's not there. He's kind of got that like Sons of Anarchy vibe, and you know, they're all bikers, they'll turn up to the bar, they've all got the rings, it's all very like. You know, cigar smoking, macho muscles. You know, and then they go on the missions. Expendables is all right. It's fun. It's a romp. I remember going and watching the first one at the at the cinema and thinking like, yeah, it's off the charts kind of movie. You know, decent villain, henchman, all the things that I loved from eighties movies. Yeah. Second one was, you know, what we watch comic book movies for is you're looking for the cameos. You're looking for oh, I hear, I hear like Troy Norris is in the movie. And then when he shows up, you're like, fucking hell, Troy Norris is in it. Like, oh, how are they gonna be him? How are they gonna be? Oh, have a Oh. Yeah. How do you think Frasier. In the fourth one, have you seen who they got? They got Megan Fox. 
Yeah, and, and they yeah. got rid of Terry Crews. Like, fuck you. Oh, yeah, Terry Crews was in it, yeah. He was, but uh, Terry Crews had a... F- he accused one of the executives of sexual assault. And, and instead of, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of, instead of doing the right thing, which is standing by the actor, they were like, no, we'll fire you from this film. Mm. Like, that was a bit of a dick move, but move on. Yeah, so with Stallone and his, and his top three, I, I, ultimately, Rocky is, is number one. He is number one. He's, he's a performance of a lifetime. And mm. really, it's the only... He could only be Rocky, by mm. You, there are there are roles out there where people say only this person could do this role. I genuinely don't think anyone could have done Rocky, and I'm including Rocky from one all the way to Creed two. Like mm. that is Stallone's baby, and I'm yeah. glad that he's not in the third one. I know there was a breakdown in communication. Well, eventually, it has to it has to grow its own legs. It does, yeah, and and it will go on. And then Creed's, you know, I, I imagine Michael B. Jordan will cameo in the next fighters yeah. role, and it will keep the legacy going. I'm glad that we don't have. You know, Rocky TV shows and Rocky spin-offs and Rocky training. You, you know, his neighbor and all the other things. It felt, it felt relevant to have those uh, those movies come out when they did, and and I think he's done the right time to move away from him. But the first one is such a special place. I think any time you watch the first one for the first time, it's a special thing. Um, I, do you know what you said something a, a bit ago, and I had to get the I had to get the dates up. You said. You know, all, his best work came like really early on. It's Rocky, and then his more, it's like re, the more critically acclaimed work with Tusk Kings now come later. Mm. And you said that there was a period in the nineties which is your favorite period, and you mentioned some films. I was like, Cliffhanger, Demolition Man, and The Specialist, then followed up by Judge Dredd, Assassins, Daylight, and Copland. Yeah, I thought the nineties were really unkind to Sylvester Stallone. No, no, yeah, they're some of his best work. Yeah, here's some right, here's some crackers. There, they, they're the movies that. Again, follow that kind of free arc structure really well. Yeah. And, and on May, they, they used the 80s action blueprint and tried to do something in the 90s, which didn't always pay off. You know, your Judge Dredd's kind of taking it from the source material, you're taking the helmet off. You know, there's a lot of things in there where they took an idea and they used Stallone as the vehicle, you know, like they did with Schwarzenegger and like they did with a lot of action stars. But some of those original films, Daylight, for example, I love Daylight. It, it, that's a great film, like a great nineties movie. It's like Aragon's like, follow me. It's like you pillock, you'll yeah. die. He does. The yeah. rich spelunker. He's <laughs> like, I'll goes out of here. Well the fight as well is because no one can listen to him, he's disgraced. Like like how? <laughs> Did he soil himself in a meeting? <laughs> but no, it turns out he killed some people. <laughs> which makes him perfect for the job. Uh, Daylight is also one of those films that that's just so ridiculous. It's you know, you know when you start a new job or you get mandatory training every year it's like uh, health and safety at work it was written by a guy whose who, who's job it is is to worry about that so yeah. like, what, what if there was a crash and, and the tunnel guns collapsed but then there was a bomb and that one exploded <laughs> it's like I need to write some training material someone saw the training material fuck me this would make a great film yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, I really like I really like that movie and every time it comes on I try and try catch it if I can or, or if, if I turn it on and it's halfway through I'll finish it's it it's an ITV film like ITV it is. I don't think about it will never be on anything reputable uh, it's like BBC no no yeah. no, no, no. no, no. We'll, have, we'll have cliffhanger please <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have De- we'll have Demolition Man on a Sunday night <laughs> I, I genuinely do love that. I think Daylight's not a masterpiece but you know when you're in the mood for a kind of a shit film well, nothing, you don't have to think I'm like, going that assassin specialist and cliffhanger as as a kind of a, a you know, Nick Cage had his holy trinity in the yes. 90s. And, and I think I think Stallone had a real good run. Now, yeah, I am missing their Demolition Man and Judge Dredd, which are the two that, like I say, you, you're fond of Demolition Man. I, I don't really get it and, and, and see what the fascination is with it. I think it's because it's the villain. Like, I don't understand how you can't like... It's, it's probably Wesley Snipes' career-defining film. It's got... It's I got know, a I Blade more than... I know because Blade, he, he's basically the idea is that he doesn't feel humanity. Is it? He's very deadpan. Whereas this, he's laughing. He's, he's literally. I imagine they just gave him real. Him <laughs> was like record him. What's your boggle? You know, I love that. For, I, and you love world building, and I think it does. Basically, it makes no sense. And Rob Schneider's in it. And never Rob Schneider's in it. <laughs> Andrew's dread. That's why I left him off the list, James. Good shout. But never forget, I will play the Sandy B card and say Sandra Bullock is in it. And you know, yeah. Sandy B. Or if Sandy B's in it, it automatically gets ten more points mm. from me. In this, yeah. in this system that I've evolved, apparently. I think I'd agree with you. I think Cliffhanger, we need to do an episode on that because, mm. because that film doesn't exist anymore. I, I, I want to challenge the science of Cliffhanger. <laughs> um, Demolition Man, obviously, you don't want to do it. I thought, I, do you remember what we were originally going to do? Playing I've still got the notes. We did do Demolition Man. No, we didn't. 
We did. No, we talked about it because Sam hadn't seen it and Sam saw it and he was the deciding vote. It turns out he didn't like it. Oh, I was going to say, I definitely watched it. We were podcast. going to do this episode and we were going to decide that Copland was his best. Which which is my number two. Which is number two. And we spoke about Copland a lot because every time we do an underrated film, I always talk about mm. it. Um, and then, as a joke, we were going to do Demolition Man because I like it and you don't like it. Mm. We still got the notes, but you didn't do it. We stopped doing the podcast for December <laughs> because we were having an argument about it. All right. I thought we did Demolition Man. I definitely watched it for the show. But Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you, you sent me a text that says you didn't watch it, which is what I was No, like, I did. Oh, okay, fair enough. <coughs> definitely rewatched it because there's a lot of it that I forgot and, and I wanted to see. Like, There's there's some standout scenes in it, like the, uh, the, was it the, the Free Shells. Yep. I remember, like, what was that about? Oh, yeah. Um, Sandra Bullock, like, do you want intercourse? What I love about it is, right, so it's not even that far in the future, and sex has gone from the only thing that matters on this planet to, yeah. <laughs> don't touch me with your penis. Yeah. <laughs> with that thing? Touch me with your electrons. And then he tries to seduce her, but we're like, let's do the bomba mumba, let's do the chunky wonky. And yeah. you're like, what language is this? Also, right, I'll bring up, <laughs> do you carry on? Like, what crime did he commit where... He goes to jail for longer than the criminal, and the, and the criminal, like, <laughs> resident psychopath and all around wrong and Simon Phoenix, has been rather naughty and has kidnapped a boatload of hostages and is holding them prisoners. So we know that. He's told the police that. Whilst, what, do you know what? We'll get into it. We'll, we'll do Demolition Man. I've got the notes ready. I don't want to, I don't want to turn into this. But, yeah, you're right. Why do they both get frozen? What and why is that a punishment? <laughs> Yeah, because you come out and you were like, so, yeah. so nothing's happened then. Yeah, yeah, I see what you, you, haven't, is. you haven't aged. Oh, and no, I don't remember it. No, no, no. So, so I've been frozen for what reason? Oh, leave. <laughs> Here's the punishment. Please leave. I'm going to take your hands off you. I'm going to freeze them for 10 years, then you can have them back. That's a punishment. You know what I mean? I can take your balls off you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mate! Mate, I, I'm 100% with you. The, the, the problem with Demolition Man is it builds a world that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Also, it threw me off because I watched it. And um, growing up, I'd only ever seen the Taco Bell ad, uh, edit, where all all restaurants are Taco Bell. Yeah. In the movie I watched when I was doing the notes for this, it's Pizza Hut. The British oh. Court, because at the time we didn't have Taco Bells in this country. Did not the know. more you know. The more you know. I mean, then with Sloan's other films, you know, you... you um, I like Assassins purely because I, I think it was the first film I seen Antonio Banderas in. I don't. I think I'd probably seen. Oh, Zorro I'd seen or, or Desperado. I'd probably Maybe seen. actually Assassins is an ITV. Film. But I did I, Assassins. I watched a lot growing <laughs> up. That and Specialists, I watched quite a bit. Um, the Bullet Head. I don't know why. So I, I think I had that Bullet to the Head. I'd seen quite a lot of times as well. Um, Gay Carter. I I wasn't too blown away by. It doesn't beat the original. Mm. It's, it's hard to go against the king. Cobra, if I had to re- go back and rewatch one, it would be Cobra. Over the top. Oh, it'd be Cobra. Yeah, it would be. It would be Cobra. No, no one's rushing back to watch Over the Top. Um, maybe. Do you know what? Do you know what you have, sir? You've done that thing where you always do. You make me think. And, and deep down, I kind of really want to escape to victory, but I know I'll be disappointed. It's like, I accept the disappointment now. I like how the, there's the moment in the in the at half time where, where they, they could have, escape. They could escape. <laughs> but it's like no, the, the, fucking idiot. It's a gentleman's game. We'll go up there and finish it. Yeah, you know. and then escape. And that whole like inmates versus the guards is that storyline. I mean, how many times have we seen it with? You know, you it got perfected with Vinnie Jones and Meme Machine. It did. Meme Machine was the one that did it. Yeah, but never forget Escape to Victory. <laughs> um, I would say that. I don't like the Escape Plan franchise. That doesn't make the third one. Did you want? What did you say at the beginning? Rocky, Copland. Rocky, Copland, and Demolition Man are the three that I think are your top three. I do you want? I think Demolition Man is one of the, is one of my favourite action movies. I I put it up there with with Speed, which I genuinely think is one of the Sandra B again, mate. Ten plus points. That's my three. I, I'm more interested. I think Rocky, Copland, your third one. I think you might go Dark Horse. I think you might go Assassins. No, I, no, I, it'd be that would be. Uh, if I had to pick a cliffhanger, which is a fucking... It's not. I don't know actually what your third is. I think my third is probably Creed. Yeah, it's a good shout. I think Creed's Rocky and um, and and uh, and Copland are the three. If I was only allowed one Rocky film, it's obviously Rocky. And if I took Creed out of it, um, I'd probably put in there um, Spy Kids 3. <laughs> Game over. No, I, I think um, I don't know. He's, he's you know, Stallone surprises me with some of his films. Like even a movie like um, Suicide Squad, where he plays 
you know, shark. It's funny you mentioned that because like, I was going to say we haven't actually spoken about the last few years where where he did a Vin Diesel. I think he did better than Vin Diesel. Like we, I think we, the King Shark was fucking brilliant. He's got more range, you know. When he's like birds. <laughs> like, like, like he really was comic relief in that film and animated brilliantly. And and you know, I think that film that film was just come out of nowhere at a time when DC needed it. I, I completely agree. And do you know what? I'm actually a dark horse. I quite like Samaritan. The the whole idea that the Samaritan Two's coming out. The, the spoiler being that basically the kid finds him and thinks that he's the hero when he's at, uh, there was a legendary battle and he's actually the bad guy all the time who basically felt bad for killing his brother. Yeah, I genuinely quite like him. I don't think I don't get wrong. I was not winning awards or anything, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, I mean, he, he, I, I I like his career. I I think he's I mean seventy seven. That's impressive. He's been consistent. Never forget consistency is a hard thing to do in Hollywood. A, a world that's forever changing. He's a dinosaur, but is able to adapt and evolve and therefore escape the, the upcoming apocalypse. Mm. I, I, I wonder what you think of Sylvester Stone. Because like I say, I've always been a big proponent of him. People out there probably think he's muscle-led, he's not very good. Disagree. No, I, I, I think he's very, very tired. There you go. Very, very tired. It's very, very... Um charismatic I mean don't get me wrong if you started naming like certain characters he played I probably won't be able to put him into the film like, I don't know the character that he played in Cliffhanger I don't know the name of that guy Cliffhanger <laughs> John Cliffhanger Who's no he played Cliff Hanger <laughs> in those films it doesn't matter yeah. his name is Cliffhanger just like just like it's like Barry from his do you know what I'm going to put that as my third if I, if I can't have Creed if, I, if someone was like, no, you've already had him as Rocky Balboa. I'm going to say that. Then I would have Cliffhanger. Because <laughs> never forget John Lithgow was the villain John, in that film. So I genuinely think that those are the three. Everyone's seen Rocky. Everyone's seen the Rambo film. If you haven't seen Copland, you're, you're depressing yourself. Copland is a, a film that I could spend hours talking about. Copland is probably one of the most underrated gems I've ever seen. Along with uh, like The Negotiator, that's what I put. I love The Negotiator. Samuel L. Jackson and he must not be named. It's a great back and forth. Um... But, but Cliff, the Trinity, not his best friend. It's like Nicolas Cage. The Trinity is Connor, Facebook. Facebook, face <laughs> off. <laughs> face off. And the, and, uh, and the Rock. And The Rock. But his best friend was leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> it's yeah. like, clearly. Or Raising Arizona. Or Raising Arizona. Yeah. But, but the Holy Trinity, I, I agree with you, mate. I reckon it's Cliffhanger, The Specialist, and Daylight. Mm. Those, are the, those are the golden ones. You yeah. have to see them. Your top three won't have them in, but they're the films you need to see. That's top two. That's what I want from this podcast, James. Yes. I don't want this podcast just to tell people what they already know about Rocky yeah. and about how cool it is when he got the gang back together for Expendables. We 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 want we want you to know that John Lithgow sends uh, Stallone up a mountain to get a briefcase of money, but doesn't give him climbing equipment and gets annoyed when he doesn't come back down. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. And, and there's a Mandela effect that I know he doesn't wear later hoses. I do think I do, there's, a, there's a moment where I'm in my head, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Stallone at one point is wearing shorts. <laughs> my, my favorite cliffhanger, I'm sure, is, is they take his shoes off him, so he'll come back and they take his clothes off him and uh, he escapes. Mm. And he runs off, and I'm sure he goes to a museum. That's in the mountains. It's an old hut. It's a, it's a... <laughs> but it's got like the, the equipment in glass display yeah. cases. Like, that was lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Cliffhanger, mate. Cliffhanger. I'll, I'm going to rewatch that. I'm going to rewatch that. Mm. Cliffhanger. Of course, we haven't talked about the films like, you know, Stop Your Mum or Shoot, Oscar. You know, there's loads. <laughs> the, there's the, a the reason why. why. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, I loved the film Oscar, but but I couldn't tell you why. Like, I remembered, like, I was telling my mum, oh, it's Oscar. I don't know what's Oscar. I don't know what's Oscar. And then afterwards, it's a mobster, but I'm fairly certain it's a love story. Yeah. I don't care. He, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a larger than life character, isn't he? He's he's awesome. I do like Sylvester Sloan. And I like, like where he is. Yeah. I do like a, uh, he's tattooed as well, is he now? So in later life, he got his tattoos. And yeah, he, he had a tattoo of his wife who he divorced, so then he got it changed. Because he didn't like the dog. Yeah, so he got a picture <laughs> of the dog instead. <laughs> he got a picture of the dog instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like Sloan. I'd like to have a beer with him. Yeah, yeah, it's 77. Let's knock a few back. Um, just to fill out the episode, I've seen a few more things, so I just yeah, want to talk about. Anyway. Have you seen Saltburn? I have not the, seen Saltburn because I've been told what happens in Saltburn, and I feel like you have to be in a specific mood to enjoy that. Saltburn, yeah, it's kind of got the internet up and running and, and in arms. And I like this because I like when 
a lot 99% of the time when I see shit online about a film yeah. it's just bad marketing like there's certain Facebook pages and they're like film on Netflix with perfect score is dividing audiences or it soiled themselves and then you <laughs> then you click on it and it's like seriously like that film's been out for 20 years <laughs> you, you know like and, and it's always clickbait articles and stuff like that so it is quite nice that a film is, is, what well, is causing commotion and discussion and it is an arty film. It's, it is a very well-directed and filmed film. So it's quite nice that, you know, it's not like driving traffic to a film like Sinister or, you know what I mean, or The Conjuring, you know, like with these kind of clickbait things. It's it's an artistic film that's bringing people in. And I, 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 so it's refreshing that it's causing a buzz because this is a film that could quite easily go under the radar um, it is released on Amazon Prime. It, it, I think it got a very small uh, cinema release back in November. Mm. Directed by Emerald Fennell, who did uh, Promising Woman, which we really, really liked, with Carrie Mulligan in it. It's got Barry Keane in it, who's... You know, he's hot. He's hot, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> again, really, really good actor. It's got Jacob uh, L.O.D. in it, Rosamund Pike, Carrie Mulligan's in this as well. Richard E. Grant, and the E stands for excellent, James. I don't like that. Any, any opportunity to talk about how much I love... It, it's got... It's, the cinematographer as well is a guy called uh, Lin, uh, Linus Sangren who did La La Land and uh, First Man and Babylon. And the reason why I bring that up is oh, because... Oh, he's going to do a good film, is he? This, this is... La La Land's lovely. Oh, fuck off. No, I, was, I was only joking. They, there's nothing wrong with the cinematographer. I just and First like Man's well filmed. I don't know, she's in it. You know what? Ryan no. Gosling goes first. Yeah, I don't want him. All I'm saying. The, uh, <laughs> I don't want him to go. The, the Saltburn's interesting. So he, he back in and plays a young uh, Oliver who goes to uh, university. He's a gifted intellect. He's going to do an English degree, English literature degree, um, but he's not from money. So he arrives to this very wealthy campus, this Oxford, Cambridge-style campus with all the rich upper class you know, that have been sent there, you know, that have estates and manners and family, you know, that would come from money. And he hasn't. He's earned his place. Yeah. He very quickly befriends and wants to befriend uh, someone he looks up to called Felix. And initially, you it, it's depicted as a bit of a kind of budding romance. He's like, you know, kind of infatuated by this guy. He's beautiful, you know, and he's kind of the head of the table, you know, as they have, when they go out for drinks and stuff like, he sees him on the other side of the pub, and he, he kind of wants to befriend him, and and then the opportunity arises where he does, and they make contact. And anyway, Felix then hears the story of Oliver and about his hardcomings and his challenges, and says, "Come for the summer to Saltburn, which is the family estate, which is this huge man. It's like fucking." It's like Wayne Manor. It's huge butler servants, like uh, you it's know. The dream, mate. Well, it's it's over the top. You know, it's like the rich white family living in this house. You know, with land, and they're gonna spend all summer drinking, lounging by the pool, sunbathing in meadows, reading books in the library. You know, this this kind of thing. So he does, but then things start happening to the family, and and there may be ulterior motives. It's got a kind of themes of talented Mr. Ripley it's got themes of it's got a real gothic theme to it because when it comes up at the beginning it's, it's your salt burn you know mm. the, the title the script it's you know filmed in places you know, like say the, the kind of universities the Oxford look the kind of the gothic feel to it the family the rich family are like vampires Richard E. Grant is the, the head of it you know they 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 don't live in reality they looked ageless you know they're, the young ones are beautiful but the older ones are vibrant and so it has this kind of dark gothic feel to it but at the same time it's also a dark comedy Rosamund Pike's got some fantastic lines in it you know, there's a bit where she's like oh darling I was a lesbian once but it was all very wet for me <laughs> it was, it, she's got this great script in front of her shot gloriously shot in we talked about the ratios of that 4 by 3 the more square look yeah which really really lends that, that doesn't lend itself to cinema where you watch it on a widescreen but it does lend itself to home viewing because if a film is predominantly going to be uh, faces and a dialect and uh, if you want to show off architecture then you do it because widescape obviously widens the panning and it makes buildings look smaller and stuff so filming it the way that it has gives it a kind of gorgeous aesthetic and the film is perfect in the sense of how it's made it's just it's under two hours it follows a nice arc it's paced well the dialogue's very good the, the what every scene you're looking at is beautiful whether it's the room that they're in and talking in the choice of um a choreography of how the actors are moving around the location itself that it's full of just stunning i've watched it thinking it's beautifully made 
And then it has these like horror undertones and the things that the internet's going wild about, drinking bath water, you know, there's a lot of full-fronted nail, uh, nudity. Um, yeah, there's wanking in baths, that kind of stuff that goes on in this film. Which isn't shocking. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's a lot of people like, oh my God, I can't believe this stuff happens. It's like, and I don't know whether that's just because if you've seen more films and, and, you're, yeah. a, and you're a nerd, film nerd like I am, you look at it and you're like, that that isn't shocking. Like, Let me show you shocking. Maybe it's shocking in a like in a British movie but obviously you know European movies that these kind of things it's not as you know as shocking as some people are making out um and like I say there are a couple of scenes in it that, are, that I think you know you wouldn't watch them with your mum most certainly Barry Keenan's penis probably should be up for best supporting actor <laughs> um you know it's but on the whole it's weird because I'll say I'll say it is a perfect film not in that it is um that that I think it's one of my favourite films, or that I think it beat any other film in you know in the last year or whatever. But I couldn't fault it. You know the the, the way it's shot, the pacing of it, the, the the motives of the characters, the moments that certain plot devices are revealed are brilliantly p- paced. Yeah. You know, it's not like front heavy. Then then nothing happens, and then they have to bring it all back at the end with a load of. You know, you know, kind of like explaining. It's it's all there. It's breadcrumbs laid out, and it, and, it, and they all felt very well sequenced. Yeah, like the film Halloween. You know, we talk about how it, that, that film is engineered to have a jump scare every like seven minutes, so you never lose pace to that movie. Soulburn's like that. It, it, I I think it's one of the best films I've seen in terms of how it's been made. Do I think it's the best, like a perfect film in terms of what it is? No, I mean there's. You know, there's certain things you're like, well, that wouldn't happen, and that person wouldn't do that. How did they not notice that he was doing that this whole time? That kind of stuff. But <laughs> in terms of like a two-hour film, I was like, yeah, that's that's gloriously. Made. I mean, Emerald Fennell, I think is a. There are certain actors, I think there are so ex- directors and filmmakers like Damon Chazelle's and stuff that you think Ari Aster's that you, you're like, oh, I'm so glad that we've got a career left in yeah. these people. You, you were at the beginning. Yeah, you know, people the aren't. These aren't these. They, these aren't the end. These aren't the end games. You know, these are the people that if they're making this now, God, think of what they're going to be doing in you know in, in, as time evolves and stuff. But yeah, really good. I think I think it lives up to the hype that people are talking about. But it's not as shocking as I think it is. Sure, it does on Amazon, isn't it? Mm. I've, got, I've got a thing to end for you, and it, it's more of a group discussion, more to go away and think about. The traitors on BBC, oh, the game yeah. show, were based on a old game that I believe you ten people played, where you basically murder someone, then you discuss who, and then everyone op- you close your eyes essentially, and then everyone, then the, the murderers kill someone. Everyone opens their eyes and then you discuss who's been murdered and why and who you think it is and mm. you vote someone off, you banish them and they go. And then that carries on until the end. Traitors is basically uprooted by the BBC. They've, they've turned into a game show. Now you compete for money and everything. BBC uh, has just finished series two and I was talking about series one with you when it came out a few years ago. And I was late to the party and Esther and I watched it and I didn't know any spoilers and, and I loved it. So I've watched season two. Series two. We're British after all. Watched series two, watched it live. So it's been Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays for the last three weeks. It's just come out. I want to go into spoilers for spoilers' sake, but I'm saying something now that it's revolutionised how I've watched television. It's. Do you remember when streaming services came out and they said it's the end of the collective experience? Yeah, yeah. That we, we've removed water cooler talk. And well, Game of Thrones, I think, was the last time well, that's, that happened that's, properly. That's what I was going to say. And the last time it really happened was Game of Thrones became a phenomenon. And people would watch it and talk about it the mm. next day. But other than that, Game of Thrones did finish a fair bit ago. We're not talking about the new series of Game of Thrones that no one really cares about. Films that aren't it. But it's weird that a game show, and I don't like game shows, and I don't like reality TV. But Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, mate, I was there at 9 o'clock. And I watched all episodes, and I was there. And I'd set up a chat. There's mm. myself, Esther, and a friend of ours. There's a separate chat with myself, Esther, and Esther's godmother in it, all discussing theories about what we can think can happen. And I just think it's actually quite nice in this in this age of where we use technology to stream a hundred episodes of House in one sitting, which I'm not allowed to do, but that's mm. for another time. I thought it was really good that like the collective experience was back. And I was wondering, as someone who's not involved in that, as someone who doesn't have the time. Is it something you've noticed, or you're jealous? Are you? Where yeah. do you feel about? It? Because I'm going to say I've had so much fun with Esther watching this TV show live, talking about what we think mm. is going to happen, having a text from Maria. 
Marie's not getting any bad words against her this week, and it does something you've missed mm. lately. She's been taking a schlocking, especially last week when we did 100 best films that Esther hasn't seen. But she's, she was involved. It's really good. It's been, I, I tell you what, it's made watching TV fun again, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I like that collective experience. And I, I, I think there's briefly been it with Line of Duty. Yes, yeah, actually, that's a, coming out. Yeah, that's a good show. Yeah. Yeah. What was that one that came out? They did the third season way after the first two. Oh, Star Juve. No, that's the game. It's Happy Valley. Happy Valley. Happy Valley. Had a buzz about it. Because People I got like, oh, that, back. I got into that really late because I was the series one and two to mm. watch season three, which was happening at the time. And I do, I do, I do think the British dramas do that really well. In yeah. the, you know, like a good free season, three or four episodes a Ended. season. And I like that buzz. I like that water cooler conversation. I like the feeling of people being united by a good script, a good story, and a good engaging characters. I've I've just watched the Harlan Corbin, uh, you know, the ones that are now all over Netflix. The For Me Once. I want to watch them, but it's it's kind of like I'm I'm trying to pick when I get Netflix again now. So, so that that had that where we watched their, their eight se- their eight episodes a season, and you know they they they're from novels, obviously, which is thrillers and page turners and they spark right up until the last episode um you know who did it why did they do it ruling out certain people oh their 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 alibi doesn't make sense you know and i liked having the sofa conversations of who do you think it's going to be before you've watched episode eight yeah and i was pleasantly surprised because i watched three of them recently I'd, I'd seen safe the one with michael c hall in it yeah i'd seen that one before but i watched um what, what are they called the uh, for me once the stranger and stay close they're all eight episodes. I will say, for me once, I didn't... I got some of the ending. I was like, they definitely were involved in it, and there's no point in that person being in it unless they're corrupt. Yeah. The twist I didn't see. So that was quite pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't see that coming. The Stranger and Stay Close, though, I got... Immediately. <laughs> uh, the, well, Stay Close, I got immediately. Like, literally, the third episode. And that, that kills me, because James Nesbitt's in it, I really like. Yeah. And... Um, and he's the cop, and I'm like, "Come on, dude! It's like he's got this like big board out in front of me. He's like, I've not seen the pattern. And you're like, how can you not see the pattern? It's, it's the most <laughs> obvious thing. Like, um, but they're probably, you know. The, so I like that that buzz. It's not a it's not a worldwide conversation. No, but in our household, it was a good conversation to have. Um, and I think for me once certainly was it was number one on Netflix for about three weeks. So I think that was doing really well in terms of the people at least in the UK yeah. kind of being buzzed by. It. Harley Coleman's books and, and stories are really weird because it, they, they're they never about the council estate. They're about the rich white community. <laughs> you know, it's, it's about the consultant doctor, you know, who's having a hard time for locating his daughter. It's like, but we live in a guarded community. You know, like, <laughs> how did this happen? We have walls. <laughs> like just, you know, like um, The Stranger, you know, it's like uh, they're a very well-off family when something <laughs> happens. And, and so there is a part of me that's like, I don't know how bad I feel for these rich people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do remember the strange is the one with the gay community, isn't it? Because I remember the him, safe is the oh, it's safe. That's the yeah. That's the the one with British. Dexter. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've yeah, seen that because like, he, cause I, he's need like, oh, I need to find my daughter. I need to find my daughter. And, and nah, there's, there's literally okay. like an episode like free in where he's like, I don't know how this happened. We're rich. We we <laughs> we have a gate around the whole community, and she's lost. And she was next door the whole time. I thought that was the the twist in that one. <laughs> but um, she's gone even. She was just playing video. It's fine. This the stranger and and is is like that. It's like um, and they have these big British actors. You know, like one of them has like uh, John Lumley in it. One has Jennifer Saunders in it. One had Eddie Izzard in it. You know, so they have these like not as the main characters, but you know, kind of esteemed actors in there that you're like, oh, cool. But um, yeah, <laughs> like they're always like when you when you watch it, it's like oh th- this story is about someone who lives in a six bed house with five cars and so <laughs> like they get they get a random text and you know their life's turned upside down and it's it's yeah it's not about the council estate or or the people on benefits it's very much like the upper class terrible things or middle upper class I guess never never gonna root for that person <laughs> that, that's what's hard about ne- it ne- never yeah. gonna be like I hope they find their daughter that's it yeah yeah. <laughs> 
Mm. So anyway. plenty to watch, plenty to advise. Let us know what your top three Stallone movies are, or your top one if 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 you got one, and it probably is Rocky. And uh, hit the Trinity. If you've not mm. seen the Trinity, go for the Trinity. And Trey's actually why you mentioned that the, the American one's the one with Alan Cummins doing it. Isn't I haven't it? watched it because so, Alan Cummins because Alan Cummins. I didn't realize this until I watched series one. Alex Cummins makes my skin crawl. So, <laughs> so the, the, all the backlash was like, why is he doing a Scottish accent? And it's like he is Scottish. Yeah. Like, it, 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 why is he taking human form? Is my question because he's quite clearly some sort of snake. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was Nightcrawler. Here's the thing. It does. I said this last week. I said his best. His best role was Nightcrawler because you can barely tell it's him. I don't know what it is. Alan Cummings is a nice man, probably. Don't know what he's done, but but somehow, mate, public enemy number number one in this. House. It's because he was the son of the mask, wasn't he? Does, he was in the mask sequel. But then again, I, I Bob Hoskins, wasn't he in Spy Kids as well. He was. He made he made the weird plasticine creatures. Yeah, that's a good pull, mate. There you go. It, that's, that's a bombshell to end it on. And, kind of makes sense, Alan Cummings, who else was in Spy Kids? Sylvester Stallone. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's our show for this week, ladies and gentlemen. We will go next week. We do not know. Do you want to put any Stallone movies in the in the vault or safe haven for Cop the greatest movies? already in there. Copland's in there. Rocky's in there. In there. I think maybe Rambo Part 1, maybe, but then it wasn't in my top three, so no. Let's Let's put Cliffhanger in. Mate, if Tombstone's in there, let's put Cliffhanger yeah, in still, Yeah, still beer about that. No, I'd, cliffhanger. Purely for the scene in a fight scene where fucking the guy from EastEnders is explaining the rules of actual football. No, actually, I tell you what. That, you just, you just, you ripped the bandage off early, James. <laughs> Tombstone to the Western genre is what Demolition Man is to the sci-fi action. <laughs> Demolition Man's a good film. I reckon we're gonna stick this to a poll, you know. At some point, I want to know. I want to know. Yes or nay? No, because it, where are you gonna put that poll, James? Because if you're gonna put it on like social media. That's not fair, because people like pop culture on social media. I'll put it on the streets, mate. That's what I mean. <laughs> ask it where it matters. It's not going to the streets. <laughs> I want to see polling stations everywhere, in libraries, in community centres, in schools. I mean, it's probably not enough. No, <laughs> no, no. There's probably a lot of people just really like it. It's a demolition, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's our show for this week, ladies and gentlemen. For Don't See You Later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. <laughs>